0: Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Trail from New Hampshire to the White House. Anyone who wants to be president has to come through New Hampshire first, and no one covers New Hampshire politics like WMUR. I'm WMUR Political Director Adam Sexton, and we hope you can join us every week for this podcast. Deval Patrick has been in the presidential race for about a month now, and he has a little under two months to go to pull off a win that would be improbable, but not impossible. The former two-term Massachusetts governor is our guest this morning on Close Up. Good governor, morning. thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I hear from a lot of Democrats who like you, they like the resume, they like the experience you bring to the field, mm-hmm. but they're curious how you're going to pull off the win. So what's your strategy? How do you win here in New Hampshire?
1: Well, it's it's about, it's about people, it's about voters, not about me. I mean, it's so interesting that you, uh, you meet people who are sort of, waiting for someone else to give them permission they say you're exactly what i've been waiting for but you know first i want to see this or that or how are you going to do it the question uh, that you ask and just as when i ran the first time in massachusetts i remind people you know this campaign is not about me it's not about uh it's not about some you know burning ambition i've always uh, had it's about our shared aspirations for a prosperous and just uh, nation for everyone, and not just the folks who are close to power, not just the donors, not just uh, not just Democrats, um, but everybody. And, uh, and if that's what you care about, invest in that, your time, your energy,
0: your contributions, and most of all, your vote. You mentioned donors. There's an interesting discussion going on right now, being driven by your friend, Senator Elizabeth Warren, mm. about the process right now. She's calling out other candidates for having closed-door fundraisers and kind of schmoozing with wealth donors this is kind of how campaigns have been run for a long time mm. uh, in fact she ran her own campaigns this way when I she know. ran for Senate I know is she making it harder for Democrats to win
1: no I don't I don't think so I mean I, I think uh, she has a very important voice but she's not the only voice and she has the luxury of having been campaigning for years uh, so that uh, she has a kind of a machine now that operates as far as I can tell from a, uh, from a distance and good for her good for her uh, look we are not Um, uh, trying to raise exclusively from one group or one type of donor. Um, we are trying to raise what we need to be competitive. I'm confident we will be competitive. But I think more than uh, more than the money um, is the reason for the money, which is how do you get a message out that is inclusive about making change that actually lasts based on uh, a record of having done just that as opposed to those who uh, who have a lot of great ideas but not actual uh, results. We have results. And uh, and so the money has a purpose. It's not a sort of a bragging uh, rights and frankly um, it's uh, it's about um, bringing people in, giving people the tools so that they can bring others in. And as I always say to uh, uh, supporters, I know talk to talk to people, talk to your friends and your neighbors, your coworkers, and talk to people who don't already agree with us.
0: So are you worried that you know this not agreeing part? Are you worry that her message is alienating? That you know essentially she's saying to people who've had success or done well financially, you don't belong.
1: Well, look, I think. Um, uh, I, all I, I guess what I really want to say, Adam, is more about what I'm about and not um, be a critic of uh, of other candidates. Everybody has a place. Um, and one of the things that people feel really frustrated about in our uh, in our civic life and in our political life is that not everybody feels like they have a place. Or they feel like they get attention paid during the campaign and then all of the attention vanishes in between campaigns there are folks here in new hampshire who feel that way very intimate process during the primary and then the day after everybody's gone go to iowa it's granular <laughs> but uh, the day after folks feel like they've become um, you know uh... members of a flyover state residents of a flyover state afterwards and that is a problem so how do we make i what i'm trying to do is convince people not just as a matter of rhetoric but as a matter of record personal commitment the way i live my life that the folks who feel unseen and unheard uh, will be seen and will be heard not just through the campaign but once, uh, once our administration uh, is in place.
0: This presidential contest has dabbled in some fairly substantive conversation about the issue of reparations mm-hmm. for American slavery. What's your position on reparations, particularly direct financial payments, and trying to right some of these intergenerational wrongs that clearly exist yes. without exacerbating existing racial tensions? Well,
1: it's a, it's a really great uh, question. It's a really ticklish uh, issue, I think, because for me, reparations don't mean a thing without reconciliation there is a uh, there's a conversation there's an understanding about our history uh... there's an acknowledgment of and when i say our history i mean american history not just african-american history and not just white american uh, history but our history the contributions uh... that folks have made to building a, uh, a remarkable and unique country and the fact that our values Freedom, made possible by equality, opportunity, and fair play, have been in tension with our reality from the beginning. And the fact that we uh, that we grope toward this more perfect union uh, is exactly why we've been uh, a magnet uh, for uh, for for the world for as long as we have. So it, I think we've always had trouble in this country, sort of acknowledging how much distance we have come, and how much w- uh, distance we have yet to go at the same time. Do you understand what I mean? There's a kind of a sense that uh, you know, we, we, we finished all that, and so let's move on from some, and others that we haven't done a thing, uh, and all the challenges are, are ahead of us neither of those things are are uh, exactly right we are in this equipoise Uh, and it's true around african-americans It's true around other uh, uh, people and peoples who feel marginalized so yes I think there are structural things we have to do to make sure that the American dream that I have lived uh, having grown up in uh, in poverty and had the remarkable opportunities that I have had that that is made available to more people in more places some of that is about how we grow the economy out not just up to the well, edu- uh, to the well connected, and uh, I'll have some policy positions uh, on that. But some of that is also about structural uh, impediments that you referred to uh, in housing, in wealth creation, uh, for example, that have. Uh, exacerbated uh, the conditions of exclusion and we will have uh, we will have proposals on that as well.
0: Does the country benefit in 2021 if your attorney general is prosecuting former President Trump for ob- obstruction oh, of justice gracious, in you know, the Russia investigation you know. and uh, I mean, there's no precedent for that to no. doing that to a former president? No, it's a, f- it's a fair question but not one um, that I'm quite
1: ready to, to uh, opine on honestly, uh, Adam. I-, I think the whole experience of, uh, of uh, Uh, impeaching a a president is a grave undertaking it's a very uh, uh, and it should be treated uh, that way and I commend the members of Congress who are uh, who are treating it uh, that way Um, you know what happens afterwards um, uh, and whether the uh, uh, the president uh, if I'm elected is exposed to uh, to criminal charges I think remains to be seen we've done a whole lot more presuming Outcomes uh, that should be uh, under our laws uh, handled through sober process, uh, and I don't want to be that kind of. Legal. But that's
0: up to your attorney general, essentially. That is. Okay. That is right. How do you unring the bell on the politicization of the Justice Department? This is something that both sides see right know, now as an issue. You have Democrats who right. feel that Attorney General Barr has far overstepped uh, his normal bounds mm. in terms of dealing with the president. Mm. And then on the other side, you have people who think that the FBI overstepped its bounds mm. in investigating the president's campaign from
1: 2015 you know. and 16. Well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an alum, as you may remember, of the uh, of the Justice Department having run uh, the Civil Rights Division during the first term of the Clinton administration, so this is uh, very much on my mind and heart. Uh, and I'm not sure what the answer is other than to just model good behavior, better behavior, high integrity. And that comes from the top. Uh, it has to start with me. It has to uh, be the uh, going-in expectation of, um, uh, of the members of my cabinet. You know, it turns out, I've thought about this a lot. Um, it turns out a lot of our democracy depends on, on unwritten rules. You know, rules around uh, integrity and decorum, duty. Restraint, right? Respect. Um, these aren't these aren't legislated. They're just expectations that make uh, this remarkable experiment uh, called uh, American democracy work. And uh, I don't think there is any way to come back to that than to model that, uh, and uh, that's what people can count on from me uh, as president
0: foreign policy question here also a little philosophical I keep keep on keep coming with these big ideas do you believe in a no first use policy on nuclear weapons
1: you know I'd like to I'd like to I I have uh, in the past I also know that there are uh so called loose nukes uh out there in a serious uh, uh concern uh so my instinct is to be there um but i also haven't uh, gathered around me the kinds of intelligence resources that a president and only a president would have access to uh and so i want to understand that before i uh before i commit but i can tell you that my instinct says um, that uh, uh that the use of uh of uh a nuclear weapon um, at a minimum, is the absolute last uh, alternative.
0: On the issue of climate change, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty much a given that any Democratic president will be rejoining the Paris Accord. But after that, are you looking more in the direction of carbon capture mm-hmm. or alternative energy? What's yeah. sort of the priority there?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. We have, uh, I think, a model. Uh, strategy in Massachusetts uh, around uh, climate change and it is it is a combination of many of these things so uh, the re- regional greenhouse gas initiative Reggie we joined I think in the first day or two in office and that cap-and-trade uh, uh, plan is what uh, enabled us to invest in energy efficiency which is the very first thing we should be doing mm-hmm. meaning uh, you know a a, a, a a BTU not spent is probably the best uh, not used is probably the best alternative Energy, yes, um, uh, and uh, I think investments in uh, solar and uh, and wind, uh, in distributed generation, uh, all of these create jobs. By the way, uh, we found that the. Uh That the clean tech sector was one of a couple of uh, or a couple three sectors that were that helped us climb out of recession faster than most other states. So it's all of uh, it's all of that. I think the big question is, do we go cold turkey? Because you hear this from some folks. Do we go to uh, uh, to a carbon neutral world? You know, with the flip of a switch, Um, I'm not sure that's practical, but I understand the urgency of it. Uh, Because as one person in uh, in Iowa said recently, the question is not whether we're late, the question is whether we're too late. Mm -hmm. Governor Patrick, we appreciate your time, and
0: we'll see you out there on the trail. Thank you. Hey, Facebook recently made some changes. Now you're missing out on lots of content from WMUR, but it's easy to stay connected. Go to WMUR's Facebook page, tap follow, then see first. That's it. Just two taps brings you back in the know. We are now eight weeks out from the the first-in-the-nation primary, and as we will all increasingly be doing over those two months, we turn to John (laughs) DeStaso for some answers. John, thanks for joining us here. I'll try. Thank you, Adam. So you were on a call last week with Cory Booker's campaign manager as they explained how they plan to survive or navigate not being able to make the national debate stage. Mm -hmm. What is their strategy?
2: Well, their strategy is the early state strategy, kind of going back to, uh, I don't want to say the old-fashioned way, but the retail way uh... they'd love to be on the debate stage they're not making any bones about that uh... they certainly sound like they're not going anywhere that he's going to stay in this race for the foreseeable future the strategy is to focus on you know iowa and new hampshire nevada and south carolina do very well in iowa hope that there is this time a momentum from a good showing in iowa that will carry over here doesn't always work that way as we well know and then take that momentum and do well in Nevada uh, where they point out there is a more diverse community and then in South Carolina with a large African-American electorate in the in the Democratic Party so uh... if if what they say holds true we will see a lot of Cory Booker uh, s- certainly uh, in the month, as we will everyone, but certainly Cory Booker after th- after the holidays in January.
0: Fascinating case study for his campaign. He's got all of these endorsements here in New Hampshire. So yes. much of the Democratic political establishment has lined up behind him. You go to his events, uh, unlike other candidates who are polling in the low single digits, he's got big crowds. It just hasn't materialized when the pollsters call and people pick up the phone. It's very bizarre.
2: Right. I, I agree with you and I think there is a mystery there. Uh, we talked about a mystery uh, last week about Kamala Harris but that was the mystery that she created by not coming here. He comes here, he does what I, by everything I can see, everything right, and yet he just can't seem to gain traction and get above that the 2 or 3% range if you believe the polling uh, of course there are late many undecided yet a large, large field uh, he's holding out hope that when it people sort of when it breaks in the end that he's going to be uh, the one that people turn to as the most logical choice yep. the most inspirational choice so he would probably like and, to do you know,
0: he's, they're also trying to kind of look at this does the national debate stage matter a lot of national media folks would have you believe yes um, you know i mean tulsi gabbard's another one saying right now okay i don't need this to continue we'll see I guess the the election results will bear it out but it's interesting to note you look at the national debates uh, what's the biggest moment that's happened this year it's Kamala Harris with that epic takedown of Joe Biden now she's gone so there's an argument to be made as well some people want to say oh the early states no matter there you can say that you know the person with the biggest debate moment isn't here anymore so right
2: and and you just spoke with uh, Deval Patrick he's not going to be in the debate this time he's he told me after your interview that he's hoping to get into January they'd like to be on the debate stage But uh, the point being that since they can't, they are going to try to use that as a catalyst for, uh, again, meeting people. Saying, I don't need the debate states. I'm going to go state person-to-person, town-to-town, and hope to have a great showing uh, in these early states, which they they would have to do. Uh,
0: We've got a pretty decent fight brewing right now, not much time to talk about it, but Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, she's really drilling down on... The campaign finance issue. Mm. This very normal thing: meeting with donors, kind of schmoozing the wealthy, you know, folks. Uh, not many people like that, but that's kind of how things work. Yeah. Uh, what's going to be the outcome of this? Are Democrats going to have to change everything?
2: Well, I think that Democrats are not going to have to, are not going to be changing everything unless perhaps some, somehow Elizabeth Warren becomes president of the United States. Otherwise, I think it's 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 a it's a campaign approach, a campaign strategy on her part.
0: We'll, we'll see how it works out. All right, John Desteso, Thanks so much for your input. Thank we you, appreciate Adam. it. Thanks for joining us for WMUR's The Trail, from New Hampshire to the White House. If you have a moment and can write a review or subscribe to this podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it. You can also find us on WMUR.com and our free WMUR app 24-7. See you for the next episode of this podcast next week.